Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I don't know what school is like nowadays. I don't know if kids go on field trips, what they do. But when I was in school, there were a lot of specific days that were just all sorts of awesome. Chief amongst them, field trip day. Loved going on field trips. You never had to do any work. You got to go see something. You got to get out in the air. You got to eat some fancy lunch somewhere. Sometimes you stopped at a McDonald's. Now, if you were in school, you could have an assembly, and that was a lot of fun. But the best in-school day was when you had a film being shown. Now, I don't know if they do this anymore. I have mentioned it to other people who scratch their head going, you watched films in school? It only happened maybe twice a year, and it was always some film the teachers thought would inspire us. One of those films was The NeverEnding Story. I remember the teacher announcing it quite plainly. This Friday, we're going to watch The NeverEnding Story in class. I can't remember, but I think we might have had to bring something home telling our parents we were going to watch it. I don't think any parent cared as long as the film had something to do with learning. Now, sometimes the films they brought in earlier on were Disney films, and that was a lot of fun. The NeverEnding Story was a completely different beast, because I had never heard of it. It had gone completely under my radar. It had come out and gone away. After watching the movie, I found it to be quite enchanting. I was a big reader. I still am. And the idea of a world where the reader is involved and important played well to the reader and gamer in me. And I remember after seeing it thinking about how cool it would be if the characters in the Dungeons & Dragons games that I would play would come to life. None of that ever happened. No matter how many used bookstores I visited, I never found a book that opened up new worlds for me. So I guess the movie did its job. About once a year, maybe every other year, I like to turn it on and watch it. And it always makes me smile. On today's show, we're going to talk about the never-ending story. We'll talk about the book that inspired it. We'll talk about the adaptations of that book. We'll talk about the production. We'll talk about the plot of the movie, the stars, the differences between the book and the movie, the reception of the movie, and future plans for never-ending story projects. We have a real fun episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Neverending Story is a German fantasy novel written by Michael Ende. It was first published in 1979, and the English translation was released in 1983. The book was very well received and would inspire the movie we're about to talk about and a couple of other sequels, along with some television projects and a couple of things outside of TV and film. The first movie was released in 1984 and was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. It starred Barrett Oliver, Noah Hathaway, and Tammy Stronach. In 1989, a sequel was made called The NeverEnding Story 2, The Next Chapter. It used a number of plot elements from the second half of Ende's novel, but essentially it was a completely different story. The NeverEnding Story 3, starring James Richter, Melody Kay, and Jack Black, was released in 1994. This film was based upon the characters from the book, but had a completely different story as well. Then in 1995, there was an animated series that was released under the title The NeverEnding Story, The Animated Adventures of Bastion Balthazar Bucks. The series ran for two years and had a total of 20 episodes. The stories focused on Bastion's adventures in Fantastica, or Fantasia as it's known in English, and were pulled largely from the book. But adaptations didn't stop there. Tales from the NeverEnding Story was a live-action series that was on the Hallmark Channel. It lasted for 13 episodes. The NeverEnding Story was adapted to a dramatic play, a ballet, and an opera in Germany. And in 2001, there was a video game based on the NeverEnding Story that was released by a German studio.
today's show, we're going to talk about the original film, Neverending Story, the one that was released in 1984. Well, there's a lot of details to cover in the other ones. We're going to try to concentrate just on that. Maybe in a future podcast, we'll return to cover the sequels to the film. The NeverEnding Story was filmed in Germany and Canada and would, when it's finished, become the most expensive movie to ever be filmed outside the Soviet Union and America at that point. Now, the film only covers the first half of the book, which would bother the author Michael Ende, who thought that the adaptation's content deviated so far from his book that he tried to halt production. When halting production didn't work, he tried to get the name of the movie changed, and that didn't work. Then he sued them to try to stop the film altogether. He lost that case. The one thing he was able to do was get his name removed from the opening credits, although his name does appear in the closing credits. So very small victories for the author. The movie is about a boy named Bastian, who's always getting picked on at school, and while doing so once, hides in a bookstore and disrupting the life of the bookstore's owner, Mr. Coriander. Bastian spies this really cool book and says, what's that all about? Coriander says, you gotta stay away from that book, it's not safe. Bastian's really intrigued and he steals the book and runs toward the school. He then hides in the school's attic and begins reading the never-ending story. The book is about a fantasy world called Fantasia, which is threatened by a force called the Nothing. And it's this dark energy that consumes everything it touches, making it disappear. The citizens of Fantasia have gathered to plead for help from the childlike Empress of Fantasia. But when they get there, they find out that the Empress has fallen sick because of the nothing. Before she fell sick, she summoned a warrior from the Plains people, Atreyu, who was played by Noah Hathaway, to help put an end to the nothing. Atreyu is revealed to be a boy about the same age as Bastion, and he's given a magic medallion called the Orin to use as a guide. As Atreyu sets off on his quest, the Nothing summons Gmork, who is a vicious wolf-like thing, to go after Atreyu. Atreyu heads to the Swamp of Sadness and sees the ancient Morla. There he loses his horse. Morla says that he can't help Atreyu, but tells him he should go to the Southern Oracle, which is 10,000 miles away. Meanwhile, in the outside world, Bastion is really pulled into this book and decides to ignore what's going on in the rest of his life to continue reading. Atreyu continues in the Swamp of Sorrow. He starts to lose hope and sink into the swamp. Luckily, a very awesome luck dragon named Falcor saves him and takes him the rest of the way to the Southern Oracle. Atreyu continues toward the Oracle. He has to pass these gates, but then, after passing a Sphinx, he's able to reach the Magic Mirror Gate, and as he approaches it, he sees Bastion in it. Bastion is completely freaked out by this and throws the book away in disbelief, but, of course, he's intrigued and slowly starts to read again. Atreyu passes through the gate and meets the Oracle, and the Oracle tells him that the only way to stop the Nothing is for the Empress to be given a new name by a human child. He encounters Gmork, who explains that Fantasia is actually the sum of humanity's hopes and dreams, but that the nothing, which represents apathy and despair, is destroying it. Atreyu is attacked again, but luckily Falcor arrives and rescues him. Atreyu wakes up on Falcor's back and sees that Fantasia is falling apart. Eventually they reach the Empress's home, the Ivory Tower, and he reports all these horrible things to the Empress. 
the Empress then reveals that he is in fact succeeded by, I guess, creating this great story and pulling this boy in. And basically she says that only the boy who's reading this book can save them by giving her her name. Bastion sort of doesn't want to do it. He's freaked out. Finally, after some real drama, he runs to the attic window and shouts Moonchild, which is her new name. Great choice of a name. Bastion then finds himself face to face with the Empress, and she says that the nothing has consumed all but one grain of sand from Fantasia. But with Bastion's help, they can restore the world to its former glory. Bastion starts making wishes, he climbs on Falcor and rides through the sky, chases those bullies around who had chased him earlier. At the end of the movie, they soar triumphantly off into the sky, and the narrator reveals that Bastion made many, many more wishes and had tons of other adventures. I could not wait to get home and read after watching that. We'll return after these messages. Nintendo introduces Anticipation. It brings the board game into the video age. You gotta have fun, play your Anticipation. Now you're playing with power. Word power. Done at last. Cool, geez. How about some M&M? Hi, kids. Hey, this is William Catt, your favorite greatest American hero, and you are listening to The Retroist. Okay, we're back. Now, the author of the book was really angry because there was a lot of differences between the book and the movie that he thought weakened the story. To begin with, the film only covers the first half of the novel. Several characters are cut from the film, like the Will-O-The-Wisp and the large shape-shifting Ygrommel. Those were probably cut due to the difficulties in portraying these things on a budget. The Southern Oracle character doesn't have a physical form in the novel, but does in the film, appearing as a pair of glowing blue sphinx creatures, identical to the sphinx gate from earlier in the film. There's also a third gate that was cut from the film. The meeting of Atreyu and Gamork is different from the novel. Gamork is not chained to a wall nor dying as he is in the book, but attacks Atreyu before being killed by the latter, who stabs him. In the novel, the Nothing not only destroys Fantastica, Fantasia, but approaches people who have lost their faith and have given up on hoping, and then the people that it does have the sudden urge to jump into the Nothing and be transformed into human lies. And finally, just some basic stuff. In the novel, Bastion is overweight, which makes a lot more sense for the bullying, and Atreyu has blue hair and green skin. Very unusual. In the film, neither of those things are true. There's lots of other fun differences. I suggest you pick up the novel, and it really is a fun read. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! 
enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is the never-ending story. For a film that has a lot of young actors in it, the cast is pretty stellar. You had Barrett Oliver as Bastion Bucks. Oliver is an American child actor who also appeared in a couple of other great 80s movies, Frankenweenie, Daryl, and Cocoon. Barrett doesn't act anymore, but is a successful photographer in California. Noah Hathaway played Atreyu. Noah is probably best known for his role as Boxy in the original Battlestar Galactica. He was also in the movie Troll. Tammy Stronach played the childlike empress, who is the ruler of Fantasia. She made her acting debut as the childlike empress, and then really hasn't done much since then. Her parents didn't want her to become a child actor, but she has studied acting and has done a lot of dance since then. Alan Oppenheimer did the voice of Rockbiter, Falcor, Gamork, and the narrator. Alan did a lot of character acting on television, appearing in things like The Six Million Dollar Man and Get Smart. He's probably better known for his voice acting, and for 80s fans, he was the voice of Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, and Merman from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. He was also did some voices in Thundar the Barbarian and played Vanity on the Smurfs. Thomas Hill played Mr. Coriander. He has since passed away. He'd been acting in films for years. Probably his most famous role was the recurring role of Jim Dixon on the 1980s TV series Newhart. He also appeared in the V miniseries, Coach, Married with Children, The Facts of Life, Remington Steel, lots of staples of 80s television. Rounding out the cast, you had Deep Roy as Teeny Weeny. You had Tylo Prookner as Nighthob. You had Moses Gunn as Kron. You had Sidney Bromley as Engie Wook. You had Patricia Hayes as Urgle. You had Gerald McCraney as Mr. Bucks. And the three bullies that you see in the film were played by Daryl Cooksey, Drum Garrett, and Nicholas Gilbert. The film opened to very positive reviews and is still pretty well received nowadays. At the time, Roger Ebert gave it three stars and praised its visual effects, saying that the film created an illusion of an entirely new world that had been created. And that seemed to be a sentiment echoed by other film reviewers at the time. Despite this, the film underperformed at the box office and grossed only $20.1 million on a budget of $27 million. This was far less than contemporary movies with similar themes like The Dark Crystal, which had grossed over $40 million. That's the music from The NeverEnding Story. Now, that theme song, which was included in the North American release of the film, was composed by Giorgio Moroder, with lyrics by Keith Forsey. It was performed by Limal, who was the lead singer of Kaja Gugu, and Beth Anderson. The theme song 
was released as a single in 1984, and it peaked at number four on the UK singles chart. It was number six on the US Billboard Adult Contemporary chart, and it was number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. Very popular song at the time, and it has not lost its popularity. It's been covered by lots of different bands. The Birthday Massacre, Creamy, Dragonland, and Newfound Glory. Dragonland version of the song is a power metal version that you will not soon forget. So, the movie didn't do great at the box office, but when it got on home video and television, it was a whole different story. It became one of the highest-selling videos at the time and became a staple of Christmas Day television viewing in many countries. Now, we had VHS for quite a few years, but in 2001, we finally had a DVD release of the film. Sadly, this release only had one extra on it, the theatrical trailer. Europe has had a few releases of the film on DVD, and in 2003, it had this great two-disc special edition with packaging shaped like the book from the film, and it had the North American and German releases of the film. It also had various extras, like a 45-minute documentary, galleries, and a music video. If you're a fan, you probably know that this month, probably why I'm doing this podcast, I was inspired after watching it, Warner released a Region A Blu-ray edition of the film. It is a great-looking and great-sounding disc. But sadly, lacks any extra features. I thought they would at least throw some of the stuff from the European release onto this, but still nothing. Maybe down the road we can count on a deluxe edition. So, if you're a never-ending story fan, you have pretty much everything you need. You have the book, you have the film, but what more could you ask for? A reboot, you say? Well, you're in luck. Warner Brothers, the Kennedy Marshall Company, and Leonardo DiCaprio are in the early stages of trying to reboot the franchise by going back to the novel and rewriting the film, coming up with something brand new. They want to create a much more nuanced approach and maybe think of the film in three parts right from the beginning. According to the web, there's a tentative 2012 release date on this film, but I don't think we should hold our breath for that. Probably look 2013, 2014, if anything. I know the author has a lot of problems with this film, and it is his work, so he can say what he wants, but The NeverEnding Story is an important part of my childhood. When it was on HBO, I watched it to no end. And when it was finally available to rent at our local video store, I was down there as often as possible picking it up. Pretty much my whole life, I have wanted a Falcor of my very own. So this is just a warning to all those people who might have bullied me when I was a kid. One day, it's going to happen. Falcor and me, down the street, chasing you. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh. Why does the wind blow? Why does the wind blow? Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Facebook.com slash Retroist and Twitter.com slash Retroist. Christopher Tupa, who normally does the art for the podcast, heard himself last week sliding down a bouncy castle slide, which I think is pretty cool the way he injured himself, not the injury itself. That's not cool. And I hope that Christopher feels better soon. A longtime Retroist listener, Shelly, is also recovering, and I hope that she feels better and she's enjoying this podcast right now. The music that you heard at the beginning was put together by... Peachy, who is the editor over at the games portion of The Retroist. Peachy does great music, and if you need something done musically, why not contact him? You can get to him at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. That's why the wind blows ooh-wee. That's why the wind blows 
At eight miles an hour, it's just a breeze. Above 25 miles an hour, it's a gale. Above 64 miles an hour, it's blowing up a storm. Above 75 miles an hour, that wind is a hurricane. That's why the wind blows, ooh. That's why the wind blows, shh. That's why the wind blows, ooh. That's why the wind blows. Yeah! This has been a retrospection. Goodbye.